Four out of five top Hollywood movie stars use moment, moment, moment of clarity. Uh, yeah, baby. Oh, man. It feels like it's been so long since I've been in this chair. So. What's up, everybody? My name is Stefan G. You are tuned in to another eclectic episode of Moment of Clarity right here on the Promise Life Network. Moment of Clarity sponsored by the Orlando Phantoms Football Organization. Want to see some of the best amateur football in all of Orlando? Go to an Orlando Phantoms football game held in Altamont Springs. The season starts January 23rd. You can buy tickets for as low as $7 and see some of the best semi-pro football in all of Central Florida. Go to OrlandoPhantoms.com for more information. That's OrlandoPhantoms.com. So, today is an interesting topic because it's a topic that a lot of people avoid. You know what? And when I think about it, oh, so by the way, we're talking about evangelism today. When I think about it, Mike, when was the last time you heard a message of evangelism in a church? When was the last time? Yeah. It's been a while for me. Well, it hasn't been that long for Not me. that I've long? I mean, I don't remember exactly when, but I've heard it. Well, I've heard it, but it's been, it's not, I'm, it's not as regular of a topic as, I don't know, suffering or blessings. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, most of what I hear, though, with, with evangelism is bring them to church. Not yeah, bring, bring them to, to church. That's what they say. Bring them to church. Bring them to church. Bring them to church. For the record, ladies and gentlemen, evangelism is not bringing people to church. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. And bringing people to church is good if you like your church. If you don't like your church, please don't invite people. Um, but inviting people to church is good if you enjoy your church. But that is not evangelism. And as uh, Mike kind of brought this topic up, because as we started to sit down and think about it, we kind of trying to figure out, well, what really is evangelism? Like evangelism in America specifically, because it's different here than it is other places. And and you brought up the, the whole idea of it might be more difficult to evangelize in America than in some other countries. Now, not the places where people are getting their heads chopped off and right. stuff, but. Well, and it's not necessarily more difficult. The, the difficult are different. Right. It's just. A different kind of difficult difficult because lots of D words I seem to be saying right now. <laughs> but it's because when you reach out for someone in another country who's never heard of Christ, they might be more open to it. Right. If you reach out to someone here, they already have a perception of what it is. Exactly. Because they've all heard of Jesus. They've all heard of church. They've yep. all heard of Christianity. So you have, you first have to break through that perception. Then you have to reach you know them for Christ. And, and most people in America not only have heard of Jesus, but most of the people have been to church. Right. If yeah. only one time. You know what I mean? I would this is a false statistic, but I would even venture to see say 75 to 82% of Americans have been to church. You know what I mean? At some point in time somewhere, even if you're Jewish or Muslim or whatever, chances are you walked into a church one time. You yeah, know? that's true. At least on a holiday or something. Yeah, whether it was Easter or Christmas or whatever. And so the whole idea of bringing people to Christ because 
that concept. I don't even know if that's a fair concept. The more I think about it, I don't even know. Maybe part of the problem with evangelism is that we're using the wrong language. Maybe part of the problem with with helping people to learn more about Jesus is that we're using language like bring people to Christ because I can't bring anybody to Christ. It's impossible. I can't. There has, if I think about the way that I learned about Jesus, the way I found Christ, and the way that he, what had to happen for him to come into my heart, there had to be a set of circumstances and situations that set up in a particular manner in order for a person to be open to receiving Christ. And I don't even know if receiving Christ is the right word, but the idea that you as a Christian are going to bring somebody to Christ, I think that might be where we start off wrong. And that might be one of the reasons that our evangelism in this country is so ineffective. So what would be the right term, though? I, I It would have to be something more like, I don't even want to say introduce, but it would have to be something more along the lines of you being a conduit of communication. You know what I mean? As opposed to you doing the actual work. I've heard a lot of things like plant the seeds. Yeah. Well, that was something that I was going to get to later on, too. But I think one of the first places we start is that we have to make sure we're looking at evangelism the right way. That we have to make sure that we're looking at the communication of the gospel in the right way. Because technically, I don't even know that the Bible has commanded us to evangelize in the way that we think of evangelism in this country. The Bible has commanded us to preach the gospel. The Bible has commanded us to, you know, go out and tell people about Jesus. But I don't know. I don't I don't remember seeing anywhere where the Bible said, go save souls because I can't save a soul and you can't save a soul. And, 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 And not only that, just because you say the salvation prayer doesn't necessarily make your soul saved. Exactly. It takes it's, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's the starting point, but there's a lot of wrestling with the angel that goes on in <laughs> yeah. between the starting point and the ending point, you know? And it's interesting you talk about, you're right. I don't think the Bible does say save souls in what you're thinking of. It just says spread the good news, basically. That's basically what it says. It says if you break down the, uh, the actual wording at the end of each gospel, because at the end of each gospel, there is a declaration to go out and tell more people, right, in some way, shape, or form. And if you break down the the actual meaning of those words, what it truly says is for us to declare the good news, declare the good news of the gospel. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And somehow, well, I don't even want to say somehow, I'm pretty sure about how it happened, but somehow we have taken declare the good news of the gospel and transitioned it into us actually participating in the salvation of somebody's soul, which I'm, I don't want deep. that I responsibility. Really this, but true. <laughs> I don't want that responsibility at all. You know, when it gives, it gives us way too much power. Really the power is with God well, and you, the Holy spirit. And you know that, you know, that's kind of how it happened that way is that we, cause we're power hungry as human beings and I, I'm not talking about your pastor, if you're listening, but pastors can be power hungry as leaders of a flock or as shepherds of a flock. And so 
I think the concept of what evangelism really is gets lost on us because we think of it as us going and talking somebody into being saved. And that's what evangelism is. Evangelism is about us going and preaching the gospel with the power and uh, with the power and effectiveness that somebody decides to give their life to Christ. And I don't really know how possible that really is. When you really think about the concept of you being able to do that, that's a tall, tall order. And I think which I think it's a good point that words are important. Maybe we should phrase it differently in terms of maybe we should just call people to follow, to believe and to follow Christ. To believe and follow Christ. Of course, we have to explain what that means, what believe right. means and follow means. Right. But that's really what the Bible says. Believe in, you know, Jesus says, believe in me, follow me mm-hmm. over and over again. That's what it says. Exactly. And and I think for me, I would rather take, how can I say this? You know how the Bible says, don't add anything to the Bible. Don't subtract anything to the, from the Bible. So I think I would rather take the Bible literally and I'll just declare the good news. I'll just walk around talking about how good Jesus is. I'll just walk around talking about what he's done in my life. I'll just walk, I'll tell the story of how he's affected me. And you can make your own decision from there. And baptizing them, of course. Yeah. Well, no, that's, well, somebody's supposed to baptize them. It ain't <laughs> me. But, <laughs> but I think, I think the, the starting point is us understanding the concept of true evangelism. And I would even, not the more that I, we've talked about it here and the more I think about it here, I just kind of want to abolish the word evangelism altogether, you know, because that's not what I'm trying to do. That's not what I'm purposed to do. No wonder it falls so flat and it's so ineffective because it's not what you're supposed to be doing anyway. But I think if we can start out understanding how we are to approach this and start out with the 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 true idea of we are to declare the good news, we are to talk about and illustrate and share the goodness of Christ. And that's the place that it begins. It doesn't start with, if you died today, do you know where you would go? It doesn't start with fear tactics. It doesn't start with pushy salesman I love you, brother, and I just wanna I just want to make sure that you're, you know, in heaven with me, that kind of thing. But it really starts more with the sharing of the experiences that we've had with Christ. Because if you think about the gospels in themselves, even though these gospels are in the Bible, so they hold a lot more weight than maybe your story or my story might, but all they really did was share the story of their experience with Christ. That's it. It just so happens that that they had a direct experience. Well, I will say this. One thing they did share, though, was that he was God and he rose from the dead. That was pretty important in terms of yeah. the apostles. True. But that was their experience. Or, you know, not maybe not their direct experience, but part of their experience of the time that they were around Christ. Well, and what happened true. with Christ. And it's true. When you read the Gospels and you read the New Testament, you're hearing from people who are saying, I was there. Exactly. I was an eyewitness to seeing him raised Mm -hmm. from the dead. And even the gospels that were written later that people claim, well, these aren't eyewitness accounts. They are still, it's like me telling you the story of 9-11 today. You know what I mean? It's like me telling you about 
Well, yeah. You know, that same story, the, the bombs on 9-11, the World Trade Center, what happened, how it went down, what I heard, where I was, so on and so forth. Those are the same thing as these gospels that people try to demagogue because they're not, you know, quote unquote direct accounts and they were written 40 years later or whatever. And Which can, they're not sure about that. No, they're not sure. And even... That. Even the latest dates, most of them were written before the second century, so yeah. within the first century. So we have to understand what we are actually purposed to do, which is declare the good news. Talk about the experience of Christ that you have had. Share how Christ has interacted in your life, how Christ has changed your life, how Christ has helped your life. And I believe that is a good first start for evangelism and then there's a second part that (laughs) when we get back from the break i will tell you more about uh moment of clarity stefan g we'll be back in a minute Moment of clarity stuff on G. You are tuned in and we're talking about evangelism or whatever the new word is that we're going to come up with. It. I think we should come up with a new word and let it go viral and watch it spread and be those guys. Farming? <laughs> Maybe. Christian farming. Heart farming. Yeah, that sounds weird. Yeah, no. It makes it seem like <laughs> we're harvesting <laughs> Yeah, harvesting or organs or something. <laughs> harvesting your soul for Christ. <laughs> Anyway, we're talking about evangelism, and I I wanted to get to this other aspect of saving souls, because we've already determined we need to completely abolish that language. We are not saving souls. We are not necessarily even participating in the saving of the soul. We are not bringing people to Christ. Christ is already everywhere. I can't take you to some place where somebody's already everywhere. So, but... There's also this idea of what the one-on-one evangelism looks like. And like Mike and I, Mike was pointing out before, you know, it's difficult here in America sometimes to speak to people about Jesus because most everybody in America already has some preconceived notion about Jesus. Yeah, you have to first break through the perception. Right. And then you have to talk to them about Jesus. Right. Or if they didn't have the perception— you wouldn't have that step. Exactly. You just talk to them about Jesus. And breaking through the perception can be the most difficult part. Because oh, of course. people, whether whether it's even if it's a good perception, you know, they've, they've got their own idea of what Christ is. They've got them in their personal box. You know what I mean? Because we all keep Jesus in a box pretty much. Yep. And so they've got him in their version of the box. Theirs might be purple. Yours might be green. But everybody's got their box. And that's where they keep him, and that's where they want him. You Mine's know what I mean? like a turquoise. Re- turquoise? <laughs> I just like okay. the color. <laughs> <sighs> a good example of this would be when you see billboards on the highway that says, Jesus was a vegetarian, oh, so yeah. you should be too. Exactly. And it's like, 
okay, no. <laughs> you just created this out of thin air. So the idea of the actual one-on-one evangelism, I think we take it too far. And what I mean when I say that is I believe that we look at evangelism from an aspect of something that we have to do as opposed to a part of someone's lifelong process that we participate in. Because I'll be honest with you, people who people have evangelized to me since I've been saved. And the ones that have done it correctly have helped me to increase my faith and increase my relationship with Christ more than it was previously. So evangelism is not always just about somebody who doesn't know Jesus. It's about, like we said before, declaring the good news. And so if we look at from one-on-one evangelism, I believe, this is just me, I'm no bishop, I'm no pastor, and I didn't write it in any book, but I believe that evangelism itself is more about planting the seed. You know, the Bible talks about how one plants another waters and God brings the increase, right? I I couldn't tell you what particular seed he's talking about in that scripture or what that allegory really alludes to. But what I can tell you is the concept of planting a seed is more what we should be thinking about when we evangelize as opposed to wanting to watch somebody convert directly in front of your face. Because I think too many evangelists, especially, you know, like street evangelists and people out there preaching on the street and they're trying to, you know, get you to turn your life over to Christ. You want me to you know, like metamorphosize right in front of your face, like a like a vampire who's been bitten and I've got three hours before I turn, you know. <laughs> or a zombie. Yeah, or a zombie. You want me to turn right in front of you when chances are you are being utilized by Christ to plant a seed on top of a seed, on top of a seed, on top of a seed so that somebody can water it and God can bring the increase. Yeah, and it's a good point because what you're – wanting people to do is believe and follow and believe means entrust. So entrust your life to something you've just told them about in two minutes. Yeah. And that takes time. Yeah. Yeah. That takes time. Not only does it take time. I mean, think about, think about your life and I'm talking to everybody listening on this radio program right now. Think about your life as a Christian and think about how that journey has gone ever since the moment you said the salvation prayer and you got saved till today. And think about the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs. Cause I don't care what you say. And yes, I am swinging my neck right now. I don't care what you say. You ain't just jumped into Christianity and had full faith the whole damn time. You haven't and you ain't going to. So you had ups and downs. You've had moments where you didn't believe you've had moments where you didn't know if God was going to come through. You've had moments where you didn't see if it was going to happen. You had moments where you were hurt. You had moments where you were angry. Everybody has this journey of Christianity that they have to walk through. Good times, bad times. Somebody dies. Why do good things happen to bad people, God? You know, the whole nine yards. And that, I believe, is a part of the process of becoming saved, of trusting your life to Christ of giving your heart to Christ, of following Christ. Because even those of us that think we're following really well right now, 10 years from today, will realize we weren't following as well as we could have been. 
And there'll be 10 more years worth of life experience to help us follow Christ even more, follow Christ even better, follow Christ even more fully with our entire lives. Because there's always sections of our hearts that we hold back. Even Trust me, listen, I'm not trying to tell you about your salvation, but even if you think you've given your heart over to Christ fully, I guarantee you there's a piece of your heart that you still haven't given up yet. And he's just taking his time pulling those pieces out. He's taking his time showing you yourself. And that in itself is a part of evangelism. I believe that entire journey of to the point of actually trusting your life with Christ is a part of evangelism. So like Mike said, the idea that I can sit in front of you for even 10 minutes and give you just the right pitch that's going to make you fully trust Jesus with your entire life. It's ridiculous. I've always kind of looked at it as a change of direction. What our goal should be in evangelizing, even though we're not supposed to use that word anymore, like you said, <laughs> but I don't know what else to use. I don't know what else to use either. <laughs> the, the goal should be to get that person to change their direction from following the world and sin to following Christ. Right. A change of direction of their path forward. Mm-hmm. But you're right in terms, it's a journey. For one, it's a journey to get them to change that direction. Oh, yeah. But just because they just change their direction, it's like, oh, you are saved. Your soul is now complete. And I think we have taught that too much in evangelism where the goal is you are now saved and going to heaven at this point after this two-minute conversation. Right. And it's like you said, it falls flat because it's shallow. It doesn't give the full picture of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And it's a lie. To be honest with you, yeah. if you go to the website, thestephong.com, I've got a, is it a podcast? I believe it's a podcast. The two biggest lies you were told when you got saved. And one of them is everything's going to be all right from here on out. Yeah, that's a big one. That's <laughs> a know, whole other show. God, God's going to take care of you from here on out. Everything's going to be great. And that is the biggest lie. But that's one of the ones that is used so frequently with evangelism. So frequently, if you want, especially when you find someone who's hurting or broken or financially in despair and, and you've got this open, their heart is already broken. A broken heart is a open heart. So they have this open heart opportunity to minister to these people and they use it to give this huge, huge lie that if you just turn your way, your life over to Christ, all of this will be better. And that's just not true. In fact, the Bible warns that it could get a lot worse, yeah. that it could get harder, that you will face persecution. Exactly. You know, it's interesting when you bring that up. This is kind of a different subject, but I just wanted to broach this. You brought that up because I was talking to a friend recently, and she said, I hear this comment a lot, well, I know what that God wants what's best for me. Oh, God, I hate that. And it's a whole, you know, I'm going to get this job, or I'm going to get this place, because God wants what's best for me. Right. And no, it's not it's God not it wants to glorify himself through, through you. you. Exactly. That can mean a lot of hardship for you. Yes, it could. But it's not about you. Exactly. It's about Christ. Thank you. Preach. Preach. I was Pastor. waiting for you to say it. <laughs> you better preach. It's true. Because and I, I, I think about it all the time. I, I hear the stories that people say, you know, uh, when one door closes, another door opens. We hear that all the time. Right. And that if God's no 
just means he has something better for you. That's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily true. Maybe his no just means no. Maybe it just means no. Maybe this thing that you're asking for, or asking about, it's not necessarily bad. It's just not for you. And so maybe his no is just no, not for you, you know? Right. It's not, it doesn't always mean that because he said no to this, something infinitely better is coming along in the process. Because life's journey is supposed to be a, a journey to better and better and better, even if you're talking about internal. You know what I mean? As we grow and as we experience and as we live, we learn more, we understand more, we, we love more, we so on and so forth, right? Most of us don't do it, but it's there right. and it's possible. And so this whole concept that, you know, once you find Jesus, everything's going to be better. Like I said, go to thestephong.com. Look in the podcast, click on the podcast link and look up the show. It'll it'll blow your mind. And this is important when talking about evangelism because we have made evangelism once again shallow. Yes. And they're not prepared for the hardships no. that comes with being a Christian. Not at all. Now, we can also point out the great things of being a Christian. We have God on our side. Yes. We have God with us who can help us through mm-hmm. the hardships. Yes. But it's not about you. No. You have to teach people, look. It's, and a that's Christian a hard thing. You. That's a hard thing to accept. That's a hard thing to accept that it, it's. And I think it's one of the most difficult areas that people don't accept in their Christianity in this generation and lifetime right now. And when I mean generation lifetime, I mean generation as far as Gen X and millennials and lifetime as far as everybody that's alive right now. Yeah. And I think it's the most difficult thing that they don't accept the fact that their Christianity doesn't have anything to do with them. Like your life doesn't have anything to do with you. Yeah, it doesn't belong to you anymore. It's yeah, it's not yours. And so once you and and we're getting away from evangelism a little bit, but I like it. Once you <laughs> have given your life to someone, right? They can do what they want with it. If I give and it's, it's a concept that I had to come to terms with cuz I would help people with certain things and then I wouldn't like the way they would use my help. You know what I mean? Like I like say you needed some money. Oh, I'm a hard times. I wonder if you can give me some money, you know, help me out, blah, blah, blah. And I give you a couple hundred bucks and then you go out to eat at Fleming's, you know what I mean? Or something like that. And I'm like, I thought you were on rough times. You know what I mean? Like I gave you 200 bucks because you told me that you couldn't pay your rent and your bills and blah, blah, blah. And you're at Ruth's Chris having a <laughs> steak. What's going on? And I, because of my selfishness, can rightfully uh, justify my anger. But the truth is, once I gave you that money, it became yours. You use it however you want to. And it's the same concept with Jesus. Once you give your life to Christ, it's now his. You can use it however he wants to. Wow. That he, is actually very profound. I like that. He can do whatever he desires to do with your life in order to bring the most uh, in order to bring the biggest spotlight on his life. So if that means, and this is something that I had to come to terms with a while back, if that means you only talk to Jesus in hard times and you only talk about Jesus when things are rough, guess what your life is going to be like? <laughs> you know what I mean? If That's you don't, if you don't share 
your relationship with Christ when things are going well and when things are going good, you're like, hey, Jesus, like he's, you know, a neighbor cutting the grass down the yard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the only time you talk to him when things are going well, then he's going to keep you in a place where you're going to be in constant communication with him. Because that's the opportunity for you to share him with others. Doesn't mean that everything's going to be better. And it doesn't mean something better is along the way. And these are the things that we really need to express to people when we are evangelizing people. Because I really believe, and this is just me. I'll tell you, listen, excuse my language. This is a no shit moment, okay? If somebody had told me the truth about Christianity, I might not have picked it. But I would have felt better having that information so that I could make an informed decision. Huh. I would have I would have rather had that information so that I can make an informed decision, because even in having that information and being able to make an informed decision. Now you give me the opportunity to wrestle with Christ on my own. As opposed, to, as opposed to me having to later on, after I've developed all these preconceived notions about what God's going to do in my life and how he's going to blow me up and I'm going to have this platform and things are going to be wonderful and, you know, he wants us to preach to the nations and, you know, I have some prophet that comes along and gives me a bunch of lies and, and then somebody sees all these talents in my life and they give me a bunch well, of and lies. and That almost turned you away from Christ. Oh, my God, yes. And, the, and that's what happens to a lot of people is they have those preconceived notions, those perceptions. Then they find out what it really is, and yeah. they're like, I don't want Screw that. this. Yeah, this is not what I signed up for, you know? And so I really believe that we should be sharing all of Christianity, not just the good stuff to make us feel better because we've saved a soul or we've helped Christ save a soul. That makes us feel good. It's not about us feeling good. I, When I talk to people about Christianity, I'm like, listen, li- I, I, I do one of those, listen, listen. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth, okay? It's not, and I tell them all the time, it's not going to make everything better. It's not going to change your life around in an instant. Things might get harder and more difficult. However, there are these benefits. You have a comforter. You have a community. You have the, the knowledge of a greater beyond, which is eternal life in heaven. I mean, even as abstract as that idea is, that's a pretty good ending, you know what I mean? And so... I want them to be able to kind of sit back and balance the whole concept of what am I actually doing by giving my life over to Christ? And then they can wrestle with Christ on their own. They can wrestle with the the angel themselves. And then Christ can send people to plant more seeds and give more inspiration and so on and so forth. And it can be a balanced truth based Christianity because I think our evangelism has caused people to have this, fantasy-based Christianity, and it's one of the reasons our Christianity is so impotent, and it's one of the reasons that so many people fall off during their walk, because they've been drawn in like a pyramid scheme. You know what I mean? They've been drawn <laughs> That's a in. great example. It's so true. They've been drawn in like you're going to make all this money, and all you need to do is harass your friends and family and try to get them to sign up too, and the more of your friends and family you get to sign up, the better it's going to be for you. It's just like a freaking pyramid scheme. Wow. And That is a perfect way to explain it. Yeah, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now, we're almost out of time. Actually, we're over time, but I have (laughs) to ask you, what's the second lie? You said there was two lies that are told in evangelism on your website. The first 
is that everything's going to be better. You said there was a second one. Do you remember? There was a second one. You have to go to the website and listen oh, to the podcast. Oh, man. Radio <laughs> T. You got to go to the website and listen to the podcast. That's thestephong.com. T-H-E-S-T-E-F-A-N-G.com. Moment of Clarity Radio. My name is Stefan G. Thank you for tuning in. I will catch you guys next time. Man, I've been fighting like it's no tomorrow days. Seeing my reflection, taking stabs at it. Broken pieces of the mirror in my bathroom. I'm crying for the Holy Spirit now in half you. His desperation screaming out.